filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Hey, hey, welcome in. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, no cold open this week. There is entirely too much news. All, almost all of it connecting to today. This, If we hadn't already planned to record tonight, this would have been an emergency podcast. And we're kind of in emergency mode anyway, because, oh my gosh, there is so much news. Uh, I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson, Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com. And... Uh, Tonight's show is going to be broken up into two segments, outgoing player news and incoming player news, and it's probably going to get long. So grab a drink, buckle up. Ben, what are you drinking? So what you're telling me, I can't uh, deliver you all of the uh, uh, roadside attractions on the AA highway between Grayson, Kentucky and Alexandria, Kentucky? Give me one. Bucket list of one. Um, they're all bad because it's a terrible stretch of <laughs> it's highway. It's also unfair the... to me that Ben's going to get to do this, and I'm not <laughs> going to get to live any of my stories. There's, there's, the, there's the convenience store about about uh, 45 minutes outside of Alexandria, Kentucky, that we always stop at. All right, that was one. That's your one, Cincinnati. That's your one. What are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, rum and coke. Jason, what is your one uh, completely <laughs> uninteresting roadside destination? Uh, while driving to Seattle City, New Jersey in the summer, uh, you go past a rodeo facility in South Jersey. It's a rodeo stadium, effectively. That's great. It's, it doesn't make any sense, but it's there. I see it every year. Sure. Uh, yeah. What do you, I'll, what are I'll you stop drinking? on the details. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm coming through with, with the good stuff tonight. Uh, I have a can, a uh, tall boy, because uh, why not get tall boys if you can, of uh, yeah. uh, Delirium Nocturnum. Oh, uh, yes. So I've got the snifter. I'm showing you guys that I have oh, it. Oh, very nice. Um, yes. Yeah. Is it, I, I, go ahead. is it still a tall boy if you pour it into a glass? Or at that point, is it I mean, just I've a still got yes. the can. I've got the can as well. You can see it is as <laughs> tall as my face. It, it is. <laughs> Yeah, I I can't see that. I wish I wish I could take a screenshot of that. Yeah. Um, I I did not think of uninteresting roadside attractions, so I'm just gonna uh, skip that to to benefit our listeners, specifically Nate Scott, and uh, tell you that I'm drinking a, a Lefe Brown uh, because my wife made some Double delicious Belgium. Flemish. Yeah, my uh, my wife made some delicious uh, Flemish stew this weekend and needed some some Flemish brown ale to go in there and we happened to have some at the grocery store so I grabbed it and uh, we had one left so that's what I'm drinking tonight enough with that no more dilly dallying uh, DC United have all but officially said goodbye to frankly two of their most popular and most recognizable players Paul Ariola 
is moving to FC Dallas for $2 million in general allocation money, plus another half million in GAM, depending on performance. Um, an 18-year-old homegrown player, Kevin Paredes, is leaving for VFL Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga for a fee of $7.35 million with potential performance incentives there. That number reported by Pablo Maurer of The Athletic. Um, bit Big day for outgoing transfers. We've talked about Areola a lot on this show, but I think there's more you can say. Um, well, and we can also talk, we can also start with talking about the sell-on fees. Uh, the report yeah. is that uh, Areola's sell-on fee is 30%, which is a, a significant uh, a sell-on fee that uh, DC United holds. And the report is that uh, Paredes' uh, uh, sell-on fee that DC United holds is an additional 10%, which, I mean, selling him for $7 million now, I mean, if he continues to develop, if he gets a 20 30 $40 million, uh, I mean, I'm obviously just uh, speculating at this point and dreaming, but I mean, that could be some significant money that comes back to DC United uh, in addition to uh, the fee that they're getting now. So they're getting a lot of GAM right now because at least as of 2021's roster rules, DC United would get just over a million dollars in GAM for Paredes in addition to the Areola money. So hopefully they reinvest that quickly because there's now a lot of holes. I think it's worth noting that um, down the line, because I think any potential Areola sale from Dallas out of the league is, is probably not happening right away. Um, but Dallas has a lower threshold than DC to break even and get GAM out of a, a sale for him because of the vagaries of the DP rule and how it intersects with transfers in MLS. So I think that is more of a possibility than uh, it seemed like when we were talking about DC potentially selling him to Club America. They were not going to get any GAM from that sale unless it went very, very high much higher than any of the reported figures. There was speculation with five or 6 million, but it sounds like it was closer to half that um, the actual fee being discussed uh, based on Steve Goff's reporting, but Dallas doesn't have as high of a, they haven't spent as much on him. Basically they'll just have to double whatever they pay off budget to make it worth their while. Um, So there's a chance he gets sold down the line and DC United get a little bit more return for that which that'd be nice, but um, big holes in the roster from Areola departing in Paredes. Um, Jason, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's it's a, you know, on one hand, that's there's a lot of money because that, that's not the only allocation money they have by any means either. They get the, you miss the playoffs allocation money, um, et cetera. There's, there's a lot there to work with. Um, and it sounds like, as we'll get into later in the show, they are planning on working with it very soon. Um, but in the meantime, it does make you look at the roster and wonder how how this is supposed to work without the... I mean, Ariola, the whole thing has been linked to, for, for a while anyway, the idea that DC wanted to have his replacement settled before um, they would sign, sign off or stamp or whatever... Uh, I'm imagining the royal like the stamp box. with 
so, someone's uh you know dave caster is applying applying a wax seal and has his formal stamp that is only his has a his uh um uh, it's the better word for symbol i'm i'm losing a it sigil yes uh, i'm choosing to believe word. that it's on a ring oh yeah okay. dave, dave, Cas- he, dave he caster definitely has he definitely has a signet ring that he, but also, that he but also the hot wax. it just says in like helvetica font dave but uh no you know it it does leave dc as much as these replacements you know they've talked about a bunch of different replacements um it does leave dc needing some some, not just players to play those positions but skill sets um ariola's urgency and insistence uh i it's obviously it applies during the high pressing side of things um, but we talked about it a lot when the team wasn't high pressing with um, when, during the Rooney era, especially um, that that willingness to make a lot of runs, not just one or two, but just constantly trying to get in behind. Um, it really opens up a lot of space. This is one of the things that makes him, as we've said a bunch of times, a force multiplier for the team. Um, so that even when his goals and assists aren't that great, he still ends up benefiting the attack quite a bit. Um, with the other stuff he's doing that doesn't really show up uh, in a lot of um, statistical forms because soccer is still soccer. Um, So finding somebody who can bring that, um, hopefully you're finding someone that can bring that while also adding a little more on the goals and assist ends. I I feel like that's the the one dig that has remained for for DC fans with Ariola that they're not quite, the numbers aren't quite that good, um, that 2018 accepted. Um, but that's, that's a skill set they don't really have with the rest of the roster. They don't, you know, Adrian Perez is the closest thing, um, Mm -hmm. which, which is perfectly fine. Um, but right now, especially, you know, Steve Goff reported that DC might be leaning towards only two up front rather than three. So maybe Perez isn't first choice. Um, but we'll see, you know, preseason things tend to shift, you know, you get to look at it and say, well, this didn't really work. We're going to shift something up and then with Paredes that's an even more important um uh more important skill set this team really when it when they didn't have Paredes and Nahar they didn't have players that were breaking lines on the dribble on a regular basis and and not just they're they're spread out so you've got to worry about that aspect as well it's not two players of similar skill sets kind of clustered together you can kind of deal with them collectively um you know if you overcommit to Nahar it's very easy for DC to swing the ball to the other side and now someone's one-on-one with Paredes and vice versa um DC did not have a Paredes alternative last year that the, the right. things they tried Joseph Mora it didn't work um Tony Alfaro they tried the one game because they they had kind of accepted that it wasn't going to work with Mora didn't work for Alfaro um moving Andy Nahar over there they tried it once early in the year, and it was like, well, Andy's still getting his legs under him, so it's kind of hard to judge. They did it again later in the season, and it didn't really work at all. Um, and you also lose – by doing that, you lose Nahar on the back line, which we've talked about so much as a critical element. Um, and while Gaussu Samake, I think, has some promise, he doesn't have that – that ability to isolate someone and break them down one-on-one. He can beat you on the run. He's very fast, but he doesn't really have that ability to 
kind of put on a show like Paredes and work himself out of situations where he's not on the run. Um, and also, which he's is how teams the only, and he's only, and he, right now he's the only option right there. Yeah, I mean, we're, you get very quickly into, you know, you have Samake, Nahar can be moved over there, um, but then you're getting into Perez or Ted Pietro or Griffin Yao uh, or Jacob Green, who, Ted Green. who yeah. um, you know, also hasn't exhibited that dribbling ability just yet. He he mm-hmm. plays the wingback position a little more like Julian Gressel does. Um, so... In all of those cases, Kamarni Smith, I'm leaving him out. Kamarni Smith, also someone that has, DC has at least thought maybe left wing back at some point. Um, But in all these cases, you don't have someone like Paredes. And granted, there's a reason Paredes is getting a fee like this. He's not a guy that's just a bunch of. um, But it is a difficult problem for DC that isn't going to have a solution from within the roster. Um, So much like Ariola it's it's probably a player you need to replace uh short term uh to 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 get through you know um we'll get into summer summer signings cuz one of them may be a summer signing but um you know DC is going to play 17 games this regular season before those summer signings can join in so getting someone in for the parade situation is i would argue almost more important DC seemed more yep, able to adapt when Ariola was away than when Paredes took a knock and wasn't available. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is uh, of the two, um, short term, especially the, but probably long term too, the the per- losing Paredes hurts on the field more mm-hmm. than Ariola. Like the team got by without Ariola last year. He was they, they the team was it out. the team was better when Ariola was out there than not. But they they never did figure out how to get by without Paredes out mm-hmm. there, and now they they have to. Um, I was, I was hoping when news of, of the sale, um, started, you know, the smoke started accumulating and it was clear there was fire there. I was really hoping that it would be kind of a Tejon Buchanan style loan back deal, um, for, for the year or at least the first half of the year. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's the case. Um, according to Pablo Maurer's reporting, he is has already said goodbye to his teammates at preseason camp and I guess his now former teammates. And, he's and there's, there was a out. report from Germany that they planned on something Thursday uh, from yeah. the um, Wolfsburg side. Um, it's kind of unclear because of course, I don't think any of us speak German and Google translate does leave, um, especially when you get into like German idioms or, or, or figures right. of speech. It's like, well, I don't exactly know what that means. Um, but in any case, it looked like what they were trying to say is that they're planning on having him at the stadium on Thursday. Um, and that's, um, our, our friend, uh, Phil Quinn from Bavarian, uh, football works said that that was from one of the top tier reliable German outlets. So, um, that's, it sounds to me like we're going to be seeing, you know, a Kevin Paredes holding up a Jersey and signing a contract, kind of those photos coming out. At that point, teams in Europe like to do those things at their stadium. Big surprise, it's kind of what you do. Um, unless you're weird. Every once in a while, someone will do a weird one, but I feel like Wolfsburg is going to take him to the stadium and have him hold the jersey. Venezia does it a little differently, but everyone else. They're pretty creative. Uh, give them some credit. Well, and and going back to like Kevin Paredes and Paul Ariola do unique things, 
and they did great things. But um, this team also has holes in central midfield that uh, if they had had DP level signings or TAM level signings or excellent uh, signings in central midfield, maybe those players could provide uh, those things as well. And especially without, uh, even before, without uh, Felipe coming back, without Junior Moreno coming back, uh, we were already thinking that Moses Nyman was going to have to uh, play a big role in central midfield this coming year. And now with other players leaving with more money coming in, um, maybe with, with, uh, formation shifts as a possibility. Maybe th- this is now a time to invest in central midfield to uh, uh, replace uh, uh, Paredes and Areola as well. I feel like with all of this money, there's now a lot of options that DC United has to uh, uh, recreate the team, refocus the team in a way that uh, uh, Hernan Lozada might want. Uh, but there's not a lot of time. And uh, especially with the winter window, there's not uh, as much opportunity as could be in the summer window. So, um, right. That's just, that's more because teams can be unwilling to sell once the winter window closes, but the winter window goes later in MLS than it does in other, in, in most continental European leagues. Yeah. Um, But that doesn't stop those players from coming to DC. It stops them from going into those European leagues. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that second order dynamic that stops teams from selling. Right, but they also can't, yeah, like reinforce their own teams. Exactly. But yes, um, but it'll be just it'll be very interesting just to see like do they sign a do they sign more wingers in addition to the the folks that have been rumored do they sign more wingbacks do they sign more central midfielders i mean they need all of those things uh all of those all of those areas going forward uh but it'll be it'll be interesting to see where they put the most money, put the biggest signings and i i feel like that could give us an indication of where they want to what formation they want to start the season with come uh, late February. Right. DC United is, they, they, they have a boatload of gam now. Um, they're going to have one and a half million from FC Dallas this year, plus the million change from Paredes um, from back plus of the more envelope. They had. Yeah. Plus what the, they yeah, had, they had the, a quarter the, million the, from selling an international slot. They had the more money for, for more getting picked. Yeah, the, the 50k 50. don't don't sleep yeah. on the 50 um, it, it it adds up quickly and it's clearly kind of an idea right for for dc to um these moves are all happening this is the move you know these moves plus as ben just mentioned you know letting seemingly letting junior moreno uh that not coming to a deal with him it's kind of i seems like at a certain point the team is like well this is the most we're going to put out there um Felipe is is the same situation. Um, So at some point, it seems like the clubs, you know, between Lucy Rushton and Dave Casper and Losada and everyone else that gets a say in these things, like Stuart Mares, um, maybe has coalesced around an idea of like, let's actually remodel the roster. Let's not look to piecemeal this thing. Um, Because some of this, you know, some of this stuff kind of came out of the blue, the Paredes thing. Um, I know Steve Goff uh, mentioned this and I, I had heard something along these lines as well was that basically the team was thinking that this summer they would start to have offers coming in. 
they did not necessarily expect the offers to start arriving because they the kind of the the path for him was kind of like okay he'll get his first cap on the national team and then we'll start to have people sniffing around um and with the way the US is playing and qualifying they might be qualified uh, i think technically they could be qualified at the end of the week um which would then open up the opportunity for Greg Berhalter to be like, let's give, let's give Kevin Paredes his first cap because he's one for the, we're going to be thinking of him in the future. Um, that kind of thing then gets people's attention. Like, Oh, an 18 year old's playing for the U S. Um, so I think that was the thought process. And then Wolfsburg turned out to be paying closer attention and not being, I guess not being the kind of team that is like, Oh, you're on the national team. Well, that's all I need to know. Um, I don't need to know anything else. Uh, maybe they're not the team that scouts based only on the World Cup as well. So good for them, though. I guess things aren't going that great over there. Yeah, um, this is the same club that signed Brian K- Ko out of yes. DC United's academy um, via via Orange County. Via uh, Orange NC. County, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, so that aspect of it maybe sped things up that between that and um you know a, a butterfly flaps its wings and in this case it's fc augsburg deciding to spend a bunch of money on ricardo pepe and all of a sudden dallas is like well we were going to go for this velasco guy but we could do velasco and Ariola because now we've got all this money coming in we have more flexibility um and that also leaves some money for wolfsburg to buy parades because they yeah. were the runners up in the pepe sweepstakes it's so, a, a yeah. weird we can blame Augsburg for both of these players leaving DC. Thanks a lot, like. Augsburg. And we can also, I, I think, because of that, we can also blame Martin Luther. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we anti theses or anti monk? What what are uh, we I, on this? Uh, I'm anti hammering a note on someone's door uh, without their permission. Yeah, that's pretty. Good. That's vandalism. But I'm, but I'm pro theses. I know you're pro theses. You just got to find a way to get them to people without hammering them on their door. It's just, it's loud. It email was right there. Martin Luther, just send um, an email. Guten- Gutenberg was right there. These or 40 theses like, could have been an email. Uh, a lot of this stuff was just done via like yelling at someone. Um, the the yeah. BuzzFeed article, these 40 theses could have been an email. Uh, which one did, which yeah. one did you like? <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, the 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 fact that these moves kind of played out when they did, coming a little early, that money coming in does all of a sudden make it like, well, these were these were options we never had. Um, remaking the team in this manner was something we didn't really think was possible. We we're going to get into it in the later segment, but that might even affect a move that we know is supposed to happen getting moved up. Um, so it's a it went from being a sleepy off season to being a off season full of variables and, and chaos. And um, at this point uh, I feel like a lot of, if you're a fan and you're nervous about it because you're looking at what's on the roster and you're like, well, I don't know. Uh, These are some important guys that are gone. Um, I feel like what the roster looks like come the end of this transfer window is going to be significantly different than what it is today. Um, it might be a weird situation where guys are getting onboarded during week three, week four, yep. um, which is not ideal, uh, but it's also right, but I mean, kind of tough um, to avoid. It's kind of tough to do to avoid that in MLS. It just, it's a Chris, thing that happens. Chris Rolf uh, joined the team in April. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is well, a thing that teams in MLS have to be prepared for. Like, this is just part of the deal. You you have and, to be ready to bring a guy in and acknowledge he's not going to get the full preseason and figure out a way. Last year, you know, we talked a little bit about Losada, his curriculum, so to speak, the getting players across the board to pick it up quickly. Um, and this feeds into that. This is something that maybe we didn't see as much in the Ben Olsen era where it seemed like if someone came in after the start of preseason, it kind of like, it took like four or five months before they were up to speed and Losada picked the whole group up um, pretty fast this past winter. And now so he, most likely he's going to have to do that again with some individuals, not to mention some newcomers. Fortunately, some of the newcomers, a lot of them, a lot of the newcomers that are 100% signed, it's done and settled. They're from in house. Have already been here, um, or or have from literally come from inside the house. Um, you know, Kudi Pietro and Samake and Jeremy Garay don't need to be given a uh, a primer on uh, how to play Ernan Losada's system because they've seen it, they've trained with it, they've they know what they're supposed to be doing. So hopefully that you know frees Losada up. To maybe maybe we even see these things sped up even more. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we're in a weird, a weird space because as, as DC does once every few years, it all happens at once. Maybe it's August and all of a sudden there's four guys being signed and the Hungarian ambassador is lost in the parking lot at RFK and Adam has to tell him how to get out. Um, I don't think it was the ambassador, but they were from the embassy. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It was, it was three men, three, three like stately looking men, uh, in nice suits, we're um, very excited who, for Zoltan Stieber. Who got to ask a question in the press conference and were definitely, to some degree, State Department guys from Hungary and not. They not were giddy. Media. It was wonderful. They were having uh, a great time. Yeah. Uh, potentially more chaos is in the offing. However, as much chaos as we've had in the last 48 hours, there could be more because Ola Kamara at 32, entering the final year of his contract, coming off of a career best in goals, which he tied for the league lead. Uh, he's on the table. He's he's DC Ew. United is continuing to shop him around both I, in the league and I, I can't abroad about this reportedly. Um, and he is, I think probably the biggest Tam expenditure for this team. And at this point in MLS, Tam is a completely discretionary thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little over $2 million. That's free roster space for players who are over the the max salary so i think about half maybe a little half or a third of of the total tam allotment that dc united could buy is being used on kamara based on last year's salary numbers um which that's not insignificant and if he goes somewhere then presumably that's more resources coming in his salary off the books and his tam hit off the books so DC United could bring in two more DPs and probably two or three TAM players before mm-hmm. this is all said and done. If they wanted to go all in and max out and before, all of well, their stuff. Before we even start getting into things like that under 22 initiative. Yeah. I think we're all dying to see DC yeah. use as much as they possibly can. Um, I would love for that to be the direction they go in. Um, yeah. You know, honestly, and maybe it will be, but we haven't heard any of those just yet. Um 
But yeah, the, the Kamara situation kind of plays into our incoming players segment because I kind of can't help but think that uh, Kamara, prob- they're, they're probably not shopping Kamara too hard unless they know that they can pay a fee uh, to get uh, Fontas in earlier. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're Losada at this point, like, getting the replacements in kind of becomes a big deal at that point. Like if you're losing Paredes and you're losing Ariola, and then you lose Kamara as well on a team that where the whole thing was like, well, we kind of became a little easy to defend at the end of the year um, teams, you know, the guys were a little too tired. We didn't have the diversity of options to um, keep up the good form from the middle of the season. If you take Kamara out of the equation, you're trusting you're you're kind of putting it on Nigel Roberta that he has to like double his goal output this year at a minimum. Um yeah. uh at a minute I mean, maybe not even double, maybe even more than double. Um so that's a big ask. I don't think he's there yet. Um I, I think Roberta could be there, but if you're asking me like a, it, it's like that snow range of predictions that they'll they'll show <laughs> when they use the different models. Um I think that's a boom prediction not the not within the range of uh what I actually think is going to happen. So um yeah, trading Kamara, I understand the logic behind it because of he's he's 32. Um Tam as, as Adam just explained is is not necessarily as uh fun to spend for ownership as it used to be. Um and then on top of that, is he going to at this age score more uh, than he did last year? it seems doubtful. That's just how time works. Um, players don't tend to have their best season at 33. Um, they don't tend to have their best season at 32. Um, uh, so doing the double years. is even less likely. Right. So um, that side of it is iffy. On the other hand, you know, Kamara seemed to kind of embrace the the training regimen and all that stuff. Um, he embraced it even before Losada got here. And then, he looked fitter than he ever has. That's why he was able to score more goals. So, um, yeah, I, I think with this amount of upheaval, it would maybe behoove DC to say like, okay, yes, he's probably only going to, you know, he's probably not going to score 19 goals again. Um, maybe that number comes down to 15. Um, but, and, and we'll lose some value. Like if we don't trade him now, um, he might leave on a free and, and we'll have to deal with that. Um, but on the other hand, what how, is that worth being, you know, one more starting caliber player, one higher end attacking player out of your, out of your lineup also going when Ariola and Paredes just left. Um, and that's kind of, you know, this is a lot of upheaval for DC and, and I, it, I assume it's upheaval on plans they had going. Um, this is not where the off season was probably, they probably thought it was going to go which we already talked about. Um, so, yeah, I do wonder if the trade Kamara plan was ever super solid. And I wonder if it's very solid now, just because it's like, do we want to throw this in on top of everything else? Yeah. Either maybe way, they do. Maybe, maybe it, they really are like, that might this, be part this of thing it. has to be blown up. Um, well, also, I like, would be surprised by that. What also if it got floated, like how, what is, what is, Kamara think about that getting floated like it it came out like it's Steve Goff uh published that uh a month or so ago and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if and, that and was I don't know if that was today. yeah and I don't know yeah. if that was 
uh, the initial leak was from Kamara's side or if it was from DC United's side, but uh, like, I, I wonder where his mindset is right now, and that could also play a factor into it. Either way, as we go into this next segment, DC United has a lots of resources available to bring players in. Um, they came into this week, <laughs> basically, um, with a reported salary budget crunch, and they come out of it with uh, not a salary budget crunch. They have lots of gam. They uh, shed some salary. They they should be able to make it work and have plenty of gam left over if they want to trade it, mm-hmm. uh, which is the most likely way to get an in-league move. So I don't know if there's a left wingback candidate out there or a central midfield candidate out there in MLS that might be available for some gam, but I wouldn't be surprised if Lucy Russian and Dave Casper are working the phones on that avenue. If they are, we'll find out. Uh, if not, we probably won't. But either way, we have incoming players uh, to talk about after the break. So please stick around. It's filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right, and your rights matter, and you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or or something to, to that effect, if you, uh, if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you. Go to EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast, with all the outgoing roster churn of this winter, uh, which goes back beyond just the news of today to players like Felipe and Junior Moreno and Joseph Mora and uh, Jordi Reyna and Jamil Assad. Um, we finally have some new faces to welcome to the black and red who don't come from loud and United, um, which is well, some of know, them. do. Well, not the ones we're talking about tonight. We, we had those, but the newest news, uh, the newsiest news is it, it doesn't involve Loudon signings. One of them is a USL signing. We'll get to that. But first, uh, news broke. I guess was confirmed today uh, that Taxiarchis Fontas, uh, Greek player, will be joining this summer from Rapid Vienna as a designated player. He's a 5'6", uh, second striker slash general attacking player um, who would be coming on a free transfer. He, he signed a pre-contract with DC United, uh, and he'll come over after his contract ends this summer unless... DC United work out a fee 
with Rapid Vienna to get him over here immediately. Um, so, you know, there's still more unknowns to figure out there. But as of yeah. right now, he'll be joining in July. Adam, I think the I think the biggest unknown is since he's a player coming from uh, Rapid Vienna, is he a butter leather enthusiast or is is he anti cow? I I certainly hope that he's both. Okay, I want both. I I say porque no los dos. And if you don't understand what we're talking about, this is a very deep cut to uh, uh, 2011 past. through 2013 yeah. DC United signings from Rapid Vienna. I, I don't yes. think this is the, the first time this winter that we've mentioned Branko Boscovich's leather jacket. You I should feel... know Branko Boscovich. Yeah. Hamdi Salihi's anti-cowness is a little different. Yes. Uh, Hamdi Salihi did not want a cow near him uh, is, is the thing. It wasn't like an angry thing. It was just he didn't want he didn't know where DC was geographically. Right. And he was concerned that he was going to have a cow near him. Um, well, I don't mean, like if he had come to, if he'd come to now DC United, where they have the Loudon training complex, you're more likely to see a cow in Loudon than true. you are in, uh, he would, in DC. He, he might have to be one of the players that sets up shop closer to town and less out in the um, Russell Canal, Julian Gressel uh, uh, cul-de-sac that they've got going. <laughs> He'd be uh, more on, the, on Wilson Boulevard with, I, I don't know if Lasada is still living there in, in central Arlington or not, but maybe, yeah, well, that's that, what you want though, is, is definitely like coach, is your, is, is your apartment near some cows? And he'd be like, I haven't seen a cow. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a pretty urban environment. There's a lot of roads and traffic, but no cows. I'm like, okay, I think I can handle that. This is why I hope Fontas is is a combination of the two. More successful than than either, I hope, right. at, at DC. How but, dare you? How uh, dare you? So I, I the the name of Branko Boscovich. I, I did some exhaustive research uh into Fontas, which involved watching one YouTube video uh, of his clips. And it looked like Rapid actually play uh a pretty high press system. A lot of his goals came from turnovers in the attacking third and he got on the end of them and put them away. Um, there were also a lot of transition type goals in there um, and, and several acrobatic volleys that could have been headers, but he scored on the acrobatic volley and that's more fun. So um, looks like he looks like a fun player. I won't lie. And his name is taxi. So right. I, I'm, I'm I mean, so we, we far can... a big fan of this, this we signing. Can... DC United fans can finally get over the fact that we didn't sign the previous taxi. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's 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 an interesting one because um, he's kind of he kind of didn't. It's not like that normal career trajectory we see with a lot of players that end up getting designated player offers at twenty six. Um, his early career is not like a highlight reel or anything. It's more like he was signed out of, uh, out of Greece by RB Salzburg, who were basically prospecting um, for lack of a better way to put it. They loaned him out a bunch of times. The returns were, he's very young um, and the returns were okay, but it wasn't anything special. And they actually ended up giving up on him, which is ironic because the, some of the reporting was that if from Europe, especially was that, uh, RB Salzburg was the most likely suitor to bring him in in Europe. Um, they were the co- competition here. Um, but 
once he got to Rapid Vienna, which is a, a, a they're in, a, in an interesting position because historically they're like the big club in Austria. Um, they are the powerhouse, but they are no longer winning like a powerhouse because not only is there RB Salzburg, there's um, LASK Linz has also started to um, make it into the Champions League and the Europa League more often. Um, so they're kind of, it's it's that thing of like a big club that isn't getting what they want. So the fan base is going to be impatient. I can't imagine that there are some old DC <laughs> fans that uh, might not identify with that. Um, but yeah. So that's kind of a weird spot to be in when you're a player who is about to, it turns out about to kind of uh, blow up because once he got there, he became the kind of guy that is scoring a little over once every two games, that sort of a, a goal scores ratio that you want to see um, the Austrian league. Uh, I don't know if it's anything special uh, as compared to MLS, Brendan Aronson went over there and, is seemingly playing better there than he was here. Uh, though some of that might just be he's getting older. He's gone from 18 to 19. So he's, uh, you know, hobbling around after games, I'm sure, as an old man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's it's probably a roughly applicable league talent-wise. Um, and the fact that pressing soccer seems to be the thing. It's not just, you know, Adam, you just mentioned that their clips seem to indicate that RB Salzburg, obviously they play the Red Bull way. Um, uh, LASK, I, I've read, is also in that similar mindset. And these are the teams that are pushing for the championship. Um, so that sort of experience in a pressing system, the fact that he came through as a youngster with RB Salzburg means that there is some degree of education on this right. way of thinking. Um, all of that points to him being a good uh, fit for DC. I also noticed some stuff saying that he is more of a second forward. He's only like five, 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 six. Um, so he's not going to be the number nine. Um, if, if they play with two up front, he's going to be the second forward. And if they play with three, um, maybe he plays out to the left is, is kind of what I'm getting at. There's some hints that maybe he, he would be able to do that. Um, that's a little of a, you know, speculative thing, because of course we thought, Edison Flores might play out to the left when he got here and then immediately he was out on the right instead. Um, so we'll see what happens once he's actually here, but um, yeah, his, his track record recently is, is quite good. Um, and that's for a team that's trying to get into the Europa league that, that I believe had some champions league qualifiers uh, over the last couple of years. So um, there's pressure there is what I'm getting at with, with a club like that. There's pressure to to you know not just to be good but to actually get back to old the old days of greatness um and possibly make it into the champions league and that kind of thing so um a player that's certainly going to be used to the demands of dc's fan base because now with all these guys going out it's going to be like this guy needs to be good now we can't we're we're not going to be there's not gonna be a ton of patience for him to get you know a three four month uh running start people are not going to be happy about it if he's not good to go whenever he gets here, whether that's in the next couple of weeks or if he does end up coming in on the pre-contract, which by the way, um, does it's probably a factor as to how he becomes the highest paid player on the roster. If, if they're not sending a pre-contract, then some of the money they're willing to give him in salary becomes money that goes to a transfer fee. Um, but then also all of that was talked about before DC was about to receive millions of dollars for different players. So, yeah. Um, 
might be one more thing that changed very recently because of course everything's happening all at once. That seems to be the story of this off season. Uh, very, very little. And then everything all at once. Uh, Jason, you pointed this out. Uh, Fontas is he, he's not a guy who just scores uh, on one or two chances um, that he gets each game. He is a shot volume monster. This is this is the Nate Scott special. Um, as much as we threatened Nate with more uh, traveling stories, um, this is something he looked up. Um, the fact that he has been leading the Austrian Bundesliga this season in shots, and not by a small margin, by like like 0.25 shots per game. Um, so a, a healthy margin over everyone else in the league. And um, he's not you know, Rapid Vienna's not RB Salzburg. They're not top of the table. Um, so he's doing that despite not being your conventional number nine. He is a number nine. The fact that he wears that is his shirt number, um, but he's not this big target guy who's going to get be the target of a lot of crosses and service and that kind of thing and get his shot numbers up that way. Um, he's not going to get a couple of headers per game from corner kicks or whatever. Uh, he's having to get open for the most part. You're not going to see him score a ton by you know, pushing his way past some giant center back. It's going to be because he evaded markers and got himself space, got himself. uh, There's a way for someone to deliver him the ball. He's not open, but not actually open. Um, And he's putting these shots on goal, which is great because it's not really, we've, I think we've talked about this once or twice. The idea of finishing, um, you know, data at this point kind of is like, yeah, outside of your very, very, very elite finishers, the guys that will never play in MLS, um, outside of those guys, finishing isn't really a thing. It's just, do you get enough shots off? Are you getting high quality chances? And if you keep getting those chances, you'll probably score a bunch of goals. Um, and that is the, the Ola Kamara secret this past year. Um, there were plenty of fans who yelled for most of the season, even when he was still in the golden boot race in like September that he is a bad finisher and, and probably could be benched for someone else. And it's like, you guys are kind of missing the point. The point is he keeps getting so many good chances that goals will come. And that is how strikers work. It turns out um, this is applicable to much higher level leagues than MLS as well. So um, this is just kind of a thing that we've discovered. We, uh, people that know things, not me, um, have discovered via study and algorithms and all that stuff is that the guys you want are the guys that are getting plenty of chances. And that is what he's been doing with Rapid Vienna, which points to him being able to convert that to MLS. This is a, a skill set that travels. It's not a specific like, oh, it'll work in this league, but it won't work over there. Um, taking a bunch of shots will work in this league. Uh, all the guys that led the league in goals in the last few years are just guys that shoot a lot um, go, starting with like Giovinco from then on, like Giovinco pretty yeah, famously yeah. was like, I'm going to shoot nine times a day. I don't care. Uh, screw you guys. I'm not, uh, you know, it's 30 yards out and I've decided I'm shooting and that's that. Um, and then he had one of the great seasons in MLS history. So that's, it's not bad to be shooting is the thing. <laughs> don't, don't necessarily go full Gustavo bow and shoot from anywhere at any unless time. Unless you can shoot, unless you can, unless you're, you are Gustavo Bo. Yeah. Uh, and you're playing DC apparently. Yeah. Um, the, the curse of that guy taking a yeah. 0.01 expected goal shot and scoring every time we play. 
I mean, that's um, what he does. That's his move. It's it's yeah. weird. He he. That's his specialty is that particular shot. But you know, he's getting into opportunities for good shots. He's yeah. not just taking a forty a rip from forty yards anytime right. he gets a sight. He's he's playing within a system and that's looks at least at first glance uh, similar to DC. So it it seems like a, a smart pickup that hopefully will translate really really well. And the only question at this point is do they want to, and are they able to bring him over early so that he's here from the start? I mean, because they, they, they have to, at this point, I mean, they, they like, like we've talked about in the, in the first segment, like they need impact players uh, at the beginning of the season. They, they need, they have, like Jason said, they have 17 games before uh, the summer. Uh, they need, these players now, especially if they're getting rid of Paul Ariola and Kevin Paredes, and um, hopefully they'll be signing more players as well, but they've got to start integrating these players and winning games uh, before the summer. I mean, the, the the issue really becomes like how close, how much attention is Rapid Vienna play, paying right now? Because that's going to influence how much they say, okay, we'll let him go for X. Um, and how much is X? Is X half well, a million is, dollars? Yeah, or I mean, is also X he's like, he, yeah, we want like a, a full million. And it's like, come on, really? Like he's about I mean, to leave anyway. Yeah, he's already on a pre-contract. And I mean, right. I, hopefully that like they can work something out where it's like, yeah, like uh, 500K, 750 maybe. I mean, and, even, and, and even, go. even a million I can, I can live with, with at this point. But if they're asking two, three, four million, for a guy in his I mean, last six months, a million, to buy out, a million to buy out someone you've already signed on a pre-contract yeah. is that's getting that, pretty tough. Um, yeah, I, I though you know some of this is also something. This is kind of getting into like a rapid Vienna filibuster. So shout out to the Austrian version of us, I guess. Um, <laughs> but like, what is their situation like? Do, do they already have his replacement uh, lined up? What uh, also, is that replacement coming in, or is that someone that where they're like, well, we can't let him go now because our replacement well, isn't coming in until the summer? Well, well, and Jason, I'm sure you know this, but uh, there was some other team in MLS who just also bought a player from Rapid Vienna. Was it Orlando who just bought a player from Rapid Vienna? Or Orlando's big move is from uh, Peñarol in Uruguay. So, uh, so, so somebody just somebody today or yesterday just blank. bought another player from Rapid Vienna. I mean, if it happened so, today and it's not DC United, I, I don't know it. <laughs> but um in any case uh yeah you know eric and cara went to orlando city okay there you go um yeah speaking of teams that are very busy because there's like, another orlando, forward orlando From just made like, a huge move with uh facundo torres as well um as they're like they used the u22 initiative to replace nani um so yeah, that's it's, it's, are that's, you a, okay? that's whiplash. Are you okay, Nani? This is kind of a wild off season because of all this gam that's out there. Um, it has really uh, changed the calculus for all of these teams, and that's why you see, you know, Orlando making two moves like this on the same day, um, or you you just hear like random transfers where it's like, oh, that happened. Oh, okay. Um, and then you realize later that it's like, oh, everyone's spending seven figures uh, around the league. Like things that didn't used to happen very much are all of a sudden happening quite commonly this this offseason. The outgoing transfers are in the same boat. Um, I think Sam Stachel 
uh, tweeted out just a list of million dollar outgoing transfers or like seven figure outgoing transfers um, earlier today, um, just to underline how common this is getting in MLS, how it's how the thing that MLS has been trying to have happen is starting to happen. They are actually starting to become a selling league and it's very quickly being turned into also a buying league. Um, which is a fascinating development that may hopefully apply to DC now that all this money is coming in. Um, but yeah, um, I, I am in favor of them trying to get found us uh, early because you can't lose yes. the players they've lost without um, replenishing the team and 17 games, as we've learned a lot in MLS, you know, if you think back to last season, DC misses the playoffs by a single point. Think back to how the season started. The first seven games, they won two and lost five, and all five of those losses were real close, uh, kind of a kick-in-the-teeth loss. Um, and if you can just turn a couple of those narrow losses into a, into a couple of draws, you're a playoff team instead of not a playoff team. Um, that the, the margins are very slim, and you can't sort of hope for the best for the first 17 and then be like, oh, we'll get them in the back half. Yeah, um, not not, not everybody counts more in summer and fall. Right. And not everybody can pull the, the Seattle Sounders magic of somehow just like turning it on in well, the second speaking half of, of the teams, season. Speaking of teams that have done some wild things building their uh their squad, <laughs> right. um our, our Sounder at Heart friends get to post lineup graphics where uh every player is a potential best eleven guy, and that's frustrating because you know, we can't do that yet. It would be nice. Um <laughs> Also, to go back a second um, to the first segment, Ben, you mentioned central midfield. Um, Seattle signing Joao Paulo is kind of an example of what a central midfield signing that is not going to necessarily score a bunch of goals and get a bunch of assists. What you can still, how you can improve your team by improving the core of your team in that manner. Um, I don't know if that's DC's plan. It might really be like, this is Moses Nyman's time, which I'm on board for. Um, yeah, but they still need but, more signings there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's one of those like, are we going to sign more signings or are we going to sign like a designated player signing there? Because yeah, then yeah, Moses yeah. isn't going to play very much. Um, that's probably. But in any case, that's just a, a thought that crossed my mind was Joao Paulo being extremely good, um, and he doesn't play here. He plays for Seattle with all of their other extremely good players. Yeah. Right. Before we get into actual, more actual signings, more um, green teams. We're talking only about uh, no, green I, teams in this. Yeah, I, between Rapid and Seattle. Yeah. Um, I was going to say last week on the the show, uh, where where a friend Donald Wine sat in for for you two and uh, was a, a phenomenal guest host as he always is. Uh, we we took a question from the Twitter box about what kind of signing we'd like to see in central midfield. Do we want someone who can be depth behind Nyman or someone who's a potential DP level uh, slash someone to push him and compete with him for starting? Uh, and it's it's a good question. In my book, you always want to build depth by signing better frontline starters. And if your current starters beat them, then... Uh, you you have great depth behind them now, but you also need to balance that with getting your homegrown's minutes. So right. it's it's a balancing act either way. Uh, I, I don't think you want to sign someone you know is worse than your, you know, than your standard, as we've called it on this podcast. Um, but at the same time, you have to balance minutes and figure that out, uh, which is what why the head coach gets paid a lot of money to do that. Um, 
Another player we mentioned last week on the show is Hayden Sargis, Sargis, who uh, is a 19-year-old center back that DC United has now officially signed from uh, Sacramento Republic. They paid, I think, $25,000 or so reportedly for yes. him. The, the, uh, the SACTO the to DC United uh, pipeline continues. Yeah, second year yeah. in a row that DC United has brought a player over from uh, Sacramento Republic this time did not make a you know courtesy stop in Loudon before coming to to the district. Uh, Sargus is just coming straight over, unlike Drew Scundrich. Uh, but uh, he's a 19 year old, uh, really bright prospect that came through the Sacramento Republic Academy. Uh, it seems likely that he will, you know, get some seasoning on the bench <laughs> before he he gets into a game. But, yeah, he um, could very well. Just but but like loan down from DC rather than uh, Scundridge's situation was different last year because he was a Loudon player in name only. I'm not sure he even had a session a training session with them. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah he came uh, in in preseason and got a spot. Right. Um. But yeah, Hayden Sargis, I I actually reached out to our frequent guest, a friend of the show, Alicia Rodriguez, who uh, over the last couple of years has seen a ton of Sacramento uh, covering all of California's pro soccer teams. And she said that he, especially in 2020, uh, she said he was exceptional. Um, She said that, you know, maybe her read from from them this year was that uh, the coaches were a little hesitant to keep him out there unless other players were hurt. Um, He still ended up starting, I think slightly more games in 2021. Um, But it's clear from, if you watch the, the video that Sacramento put out um, that it wasn't that the coach uh, was down on him or had lost faith in him. It's, it's maybe more that they had other players who were just a little ahead of him. And, you know, as an independent USL team, Sacramento is trying to win the championship. They're not there to develop guys so much as try to win the league. Um, but yeah, it seemed like for Sacramento, this was a big deal. Um, transferring him up to MLS, he came up through their academy program. He's not a guy that went to the Galaxy Academy or San Jose Earthquakes Academy or whatever. Um, they built an academy program so that they could sell the idea just like DC is going to use to talk to youth players around here about when they say, Hey, Kevin Paredes went to Wolfsburg at 18. Um, You know, Sacramento Republic will be like, listen, you know, Hayden Sargas came here as a teenager and two years later was playing in MLS. So, or um, um, how uh, the Richmond kickers can use uh, Chris Durkin's rise from Richmond to DC to Belgium. It's the classic model. Um, And, and so they seemed very, um, excited as a club about him taking this next step, which is pretty cool to see. And um, in, in talking to Alicia, I don't think we shouldn't expect Sargas to be in the Andy Nahar mold. Um, I hate to disappoint everyone that we're not finding the like rarest of specimens uh, <laughs> once again. Um, but she did say that he's not like an old school center back either. He's not just some big lug who is going to kick the ball far from goal. And that's the end of, that's the end of his thoughts on soccer. Um, he's someone that has a vision for some, for a pass, um, comfortable on the ball, quick mobile. Um, so those are things that Losada has sought out. Those are things that, um, players that have that have succeeded. Uh, this is why Brendan Heinz uh, comes to mind yep. as a player who 
is maybe not as big and tall and not as overpowering as an old school center back, um, but has more quickness and has uh, maybe more athleticism and more grace to right. his game, for lack of a better or, way to put it. Or if you could develop in, uh, if you could quickly develop into like a better Tony Alfaro and then maybe develop past that, that would be also great. Sure. Um, and, and that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the idea here, I think is um, that they did their, this is not the first time that they've done their USL scouting, but this is a player that they didn't get a direct look at a bunch of times. This isn't someone that played for Hartford athletic and Loudon seemingly played once every week, all season long. I don't know why <laughs> that, um, it felt like uh, to me, it just felt like Loudon versus Hartford was the game. Every time I was like, okay, who's Loudon play this week? It felt like it was Hartford every time. Um, for the last two years. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is someone in the Western conference. So it's like, it's obvious that they've expanded their, um, their scouting at that level. And it's not a bad idea, especially when we're talking about young players. Um, this is not filling out DC's roster with a USL veteran, this is filling out with a 19-year-old. If Hayden Sargas were in the college draft, he he would have been a generation Adidas player and the number one pick, um, especially with a track record at a professional club that is trying to win things. So, um, you know, I don't know that he's going to push Heinz Eich and Birnbaum and Donovan Pines uh, out of the starting lineup uh, immediately out of those two spots that are, you know, when Andy Nahar is healthy. Um, but that's that's okay. Uh, it's fine if he is playing mostly with Loudon this year. Um, I assume we'll see him in the Open Cup at the very least. And, you know, Losada, Losada last year was certainly like, there's not a hesitation to turn to these guys. And the team seemed excited about him as well. And the fact that they made sure he was here from day one, it wasn't a let's wait until the transfer's signed and then bring you in uh, kind of deal. So that's also pointing to D.C., not just making a signing like, well, we hope this one works out, but being like, we think this one is going to work out. It might take a couple of years because of his age, but that's okay. Two other names to, to look out for. These are reports and rumors more than, than anything at this point. Uh, two Ecuadorans uh, who are in contention to be DC United's third designated player. It sounds like one of them uh, who, who, a rumor that burned fast and bright and may have burned itself out is Joao Rojas. The younger, I, I think we have to put that on there because yes. there is an older we, Joao we, Rojas. No, we literally should. Um, <laughs> There's another Joao Rojas who's who's older. This is a 26-year-old, I want to say. from Ecuador. Yes. 24. Okay, 24. So there's, there's the Joao Rojas that, that was playing for Sao Paulo in Brazil, who's 32, and has played for Ecuador's national team as a winger. And then there's and a free four-year-old. Yes, he's a free agent. He's just out there. The 24-year-old Joao Rojas is not a free agent, which is important to what Adam's going to say about his club, Emelec, uh, and, yes. and things that they've said in the intervening period. Yeah, so rumors were very, like, heated up very quickly with Joao Rojas, the younger, um, that DC United and Emelec were were hot in negotiations. Uh, and then Emelec put out a tweet saying he is untransferable. He cannot be transferred in this window. Um, and that seems to our, our, our friend Ryan Kiefer, uh, also from black and red United uh, found a story out of the Ecuadorian press that had 
uh, basically an Emelec senior staffer saying they need to double their offer and then we can talk. Well, because um, what they're in Copa America, I can never yeah, remember in the Copa. They're going they're into Copa, they're in Copa Libertadores. Libertadores, yeah. yes. Um, and some of the Emelec fans uh, were, were saying on Twitter, basically, like, wait until Copa Lib and then sell him for more. Um, so not dissimilar to how people viewed Kevin Paredes, you know, hang on to him until the summer and sell him for more instead of taking the guaranteed seven and change right now, um, which is a valid position. I understand why the team sold him now, but um, yeah, it sounds like Rojas is probably not going to be coming in right now. And since DC United need reinforcements right now, um yeah, and he's a winger. Can you you obviously I think cannot fit him and Flores and Taxi Fontas on the field together at the same time uh in in what we've seen of Losada's system. It gets real unless, difficult to to put all three of them you, out there. Unless you play a 2 2 3 5 coward. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we can always play 2 3 5. I'm for it. You're for it. I think all our listeners are for it. Uh, but in what we've seen from Losada, it, it would be hard to shoehorn all three of the men. Uh, the most recent potential target came out like in the hour or two before we started recording this episode. So no research done so far into Michael Estrada, who plays for Toluca, uh, also an Ecuadorian. Hold he on, is... speak for yourself on the no research thing. Okay, Jason's got well, research. I'm, well, I mean, I have, I also have research. My research is he has a great offset. Uh, uh, yes, Mohawk. yes, that's true. Uh, it is. It's it John is more, It's more I would offset call it than you think. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're picturing it. You're picturing it slightly off center, and it's more than slightly. It's like about to fall off the side. Yeah. So um, think about when when you think of like. Cary Grant wearing a fedora in an old movie. No, don't it's think about that. It our, is, is jauntily no, Adam, tilted. Adam, our, our audience isn't going to think about that because they're not 95 years old. They they should know who Cary Grant is anyway. No, they shouldn't. In any event, he's an Ecuadorian striker playing for Toluca. In uh, the, the one very short highlight reel I saw he he liked to dribble a lot he liked to shoot that's that's all I was able to to muster from from his the one sizzle reel I I had time to glance at um but you know these are two potential targets that you could see more about in the next few days if United is moving Kamara then Estrada potentially makes a lot of sense that said he hasn't really scored any goals this season (laughs) Yeah, and his numbers with Toluca aren't particularly good. Um, this sounds to me more like an agent trying to drum up some interest because he hasn't been playing a lot at Toluca, and Ecuador will have games, as as all national teams will always have 700 games per year uh, because the arrow must continue to go up. Um, and he's trying Dunks. to get back into the picture uh, with Ecuador because he was uh, pretty regular for them. He no longer is because... I would imagine because of form. Um, so this one struck me more as his agent is trying to drum something up. I will note that Steve Goff's report of a Mexican based attacker said attacker, not striker. And Estrada is definitely a striker. 
Um, I think this might be stars crossing in terms of timing rather than um, this being DC serious about Estrada. It just, he does not have the, the output or the profile of someone who's going to come to MLS and be great right away. Um, and it's not, it's not that he's just playing, you know, Oh, he's just lost form at Toluca or something. His numbers before this weren't anything special either. Um, he doesn't strike me as a player who is going to be a designated player in MLS uh, based on not the eye test, just reading some, some numbers and looking at some leagues and, trying to do the flawed calculus that everyone does for every league in the world. When you're not really watching uh, the Ecuadorian league, for example, you're just sort of guessing like, well, this guy played there and, and that transferred to here. Um, but a guy that's not, not making an impact in Liga MX is probably a guy that's not making an M- impact in MLS to a slightly lesser degree. That's still not very good. Um, yeah. And I, I'm I'm guessing that this one's not this one feels like it's not a full rumor to me um, at this point. But also, like Adam said, like this one kind of shook loose about an hour or so before we're doing the show. Maybe overnight it will turn out to be absolutely it's what's going on. And then we'll have to deal with it later. Well, either way, expect more uh, news and rumors and developments and theses. Uh, by the time we record our next episode. 95 theses for the 95 transfers that we will be having to analyze. It's better than 95 evil ex-boyfriends. That's too many. I'm sorry. We can't fight them all. Uh, Thank you all for listening to this episode uh, of Filibuster. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at Patreon dot com slash filibuster we are on twitter at filibuster dcu at black and red U, at bromley soccer at jason dc soccer at 202 amt no soccer in my handle i did not get on uh i i, I tweet to the beat of my own drum i guess how um, are people gonna know you gotta put the, a soccer the, ball in there they'll just have to follow though i'm not gonna put the clip art soccer ball in my twitter put a handle, telstar jason. in there <laughs> no tell stars we're done with tell stars uh send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com download subscribe rate review please rate and review wherever you get your podcasts mostly though tell a friend about the show that's the best way you can get the word out even 11 years in uh before we sign off i want to shout out uh olive and york whose jersey i am wearing right now they did a charity um jersey custom for uh the soccer factory in kentucky who had their facility destroyed by the tornado and i saw the fundraiser and immediately had to buy it and it is a gorgeous black and red feather design and i love it um i want to be clear that adam is is not showing ben and i this you can hear his voice as he's moving away from the microphone but he's like pulling it out and looking down at it for himself and then looking back at the hey, screen. He's, it's he's gorgeous. I love it. I want to look at yes. it. He's, he's just he's, personally he's enjoying it. He's not, sell, he's not selling so, it to us. So I do this podcast for me, not for you guys. Sell credit to them for making a kit that Adam is just like, I'm just going to look at it some more for me. Um, <laughs> they can't really tell what on my Twitter account. So go look at it there. <laughs> and uh, say goodbye, Jason. Oprah Energy. Oprah Energy.
you got